What are the three key questions surrounding the Washington Commanders for Fantasy Football 2023? It's time to break down the team as they wait for training camp, as we begin another edition and close another week of Locked On Fantasy Football. You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily NFL fantasy podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iredo, and I'm not doing this. I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. We're here at the end of another week. We're here at the end of another division here as we break down all 32 teams for you. We're going to explore the three key fantasy football questions. So we're through the Dallas Cowboys, New York Giants, Philadelphia Eagles. That leaves the last team in alphabetical order in the NFC East to focus on today. That's the Washington Commanders. And there's a lot of question marks about the Commanders. New offense with Eric Bieniemy taking over as a coordinator, replacing Scott Turner. You got a new starting quarterback anointed here in Sam Howell. You got Jacoby Brissett behind him. What does it mean for all the offensive skill players? And Howell himself here, does he have any standalone fantasy football value beyond a streamer at some point this season? So we want to break all that down for you today. A good team to focus on because there are some legitimate questions here. So we'll look at their young stars as well. On the offensive side, what you can expect under B enemy from those players. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And every day, there's a special shout out to you uh, as we continue this series. You know that uh, you can check out our shows on the archives if you missed anything there. We'll turn our attention to the NFC North and uh, look at the Chicago Bears next uh, in this series. So looking forward to breaking down the entire league for you ahead of training camp. And it's a good time to do that. The quiet part of the NFL off season. It's time to dive right into the commander's number one key question. And that is Antonio Gibson versus Brian Robinson Jr. Who will lead this backfield? Who's going to be more viable for fantasy football? All right, let's look at uh, where we were last year. Antonio Gibson finished as RB31 in the overall scoring, RB33 there in the average scoring. This is in half-point PPR, and he's ranked 36 right now. So everything lines up with where Antonio Gibson finished and where he is now. Let's look at Brian Robinson Jr. He finished as RB41 overall, bumped that up to RB38 in terms of average scoring in half-point. And he's ranked right now at 30. So not too much separating them overall, not just with the scoring last year where Gibson was better than Robinson with more playing time. But now Robinson only six spots ahead of Gibson in the expert consensus rankings that we're looking at at half point PPR. So we're not quite sure what to do with this backfield, right? When two guys are ranked well outside the RB2 range, which is the top 24, considering 12 team leagues then we're not sure. We don't know exactly how it's going to play out. But let's uh, examine this a little bit more. Antonio Gibson had two big years before that, RB13, RB12. So it was a big disappointment last year when things just dropped off. There was a little bit of a nice sentimental story with Brian Robinson coming off that shooting and getting back on the field. Remember, he had that one big game against the Bears in primetime. So it was a little bit of uh, favoritism there. 
He's a straight-up power back, but it's interesting that the Commanders added another power back, a bruising type back in the draft, and Chris Rodriguez out of Kentucky. So he adds another body there with the Jared Patterson, who's more of that smaller scat back change of pace, who can also power run at times. So the backfield is pretty crowded here. When you add Rodriguez, you still keep Patterson. Jonathan Williams uh, still hanging around as a potential option here. But one notable player that's gone from this backfield had uh, neck injury issues, and uh, the commanders finally moved on from him, J.D. McKissick. And now you look at the commanders, and they have 65 vacated targets. They're a pretty low number. We know, as we broke down the Eagles in our previous show, that they had the fewest vacated targets. The commanders are right there. They're third in fewest vacated targets. There's not a lot of players that left, but – of those 65 vacated targets, 40 were J.D. McKissick out of the backfield. That is good for Gibson because Gibson had 46 catches last year. So you figure his targets are going to bump up here for sure. So most of the, of the targets that are available are in the backfield. We know that Robinson is not a key pass catcher. Rodriguez, that's not his game. Patterson is okay in that area, but Gibson is really exceptional. Remember, he's a converted receiver, and they once hyped him up uh, coming out of Memphis as being – a Christian McCaffrey light, and that's important because it's Ron Rivera as the coach still in Washington. Plus, you're looking at Eric Bieniemy. We know he's made good use of pass catching backs. Kareem Hunt as a feature back all the way through last year with Jarek McKinnon being a big part of that passing game for the Chiefs as uh, the key receiving back. You also had Daryl Williams before that to also play a role as well as Damian Williams. So they find a way to get the ball in the hands of receivers in the Kansas City style of offense here. And Bienemy comes over. He's a former running back. We know that. He loves to uh, coach running backs. He did uh, play very well at the University of Colorado. So there's a little bit of leaning towards that uh, specific position here to get the most out of the talent that he has. And you look at Gibson and Robinson, I'd say Gibson lines up a lot with what the Chiefs style of back is, right? He's a guy versatile he can finish pretty well in the red zone I think that's underrated part of his game but he's an exceptional receiver they don't have a lot of receiving depth on this team keep that in mind there's not reliable tight end yet Logan Thomas has been injured quite a bit here so trying to figure out how to uh, get him more involved and stay healthy but their number three is Curtis Samuel who's had a lot of injury issues and is kind of redundant in terms of some of his skill set with Gibson right Samuel is a little bit of an open field pass catcher short and I don't know if they'll use Samuel as much with Gibson having a bigger role out of backfield. Again, the McKissick missing here is pretty big here for Gibson because they don't have anybody else to fill that role. And Gibson could really rack up those points. So I even like Gibson in standard leagues just because I think there's more opportunities for yards. Let's look at it last year. 889 yards from scrimmage, five TDs versus 265 and three TDs for Robinson, who only had nine catches in limited duty. So Gibson could rack up the yards from scrimmage quite a bit in a receiving forward role, especially if he can step up as being the third target behind Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson at wide receiver. So there's a lot of things to like about Gibson in this situation. I think Robinson has been the default because that's where it ended last year. And we have some maybe post-hype uh, depression over Antonio Gibson that we thought he was going to have a big year last year. Didn't quite happen. Playing off two very solid years as a borderline RB1. So again, that tends to happen. I think he's more of a post-hype sleeper is Gibson because I think just the way the situation of this backfield is played out, I think they need a key receiver and Ron Rivera would like to see Gibson more involved. I think that's going to be a, a directive for Bienemy. I think that was a disappointing 
aspect of what Scott Turner did. You didn't throw to the running back as much. And with a young quarterback and Sam Howell, you'd think they would go in that direction. So I'm feeling really good about Antonio Gibson being the receiving forward lead of this backfield, whether you're looking at half point, full point, or standard leagues, because I think he has more touchdown upside and more yardage upside here than Robinson. Robinson's going to get a fair share of early down work and the touchdown potentially in the power situations. But I'll see the commanders. They have some good defensive pieces, but I also see them being involved in a few shootouts, the Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, even in their own division. So that's going to lead to some negative game scripts where they're checking it off and dumping it off quite a bit, not playing with a lot of leads here. So that's also going to play into Gibson's hands and be on the field more in those situations to score later in games versus Robinson. So Gibson all the way here in this decision, and we'll see how it plays out in training camp. But I would expect the commanders to lean there as well, based on the enemy history and based on what they want out of Gibson versus Robinson in this backfield. All right, there's a breakdown there of your big running back question for the commanders. We do have a wide receiver question to explore in our next segment. Then we'll look at Sam Howell, whether he has value as a deep sleeper here at quarterback, really buried on the rankings. Uh, does he have any value for a late route steal? So we'll talk about all that. We also know that the NBA Finals are underway, and it's time to make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs while they're still here. Congratulations to the Denver Nuggets. They win game one over the Heat uh, rather handily here. They control things. Heat uh, had to mop up a little bit in the fourth quarter, but a good run by Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets to pull away and uh, keep that lead there, build it up at halftime, and Jimmy Butler and the Heat need a rebound. So, do they think they can do it in game two? It's your chance to take a shot at it because right now new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. They have great promotions, and especially now with the finals, uh, not just in NBA. We have the Stanley Cup battle also with uh, the team from South Florida involved, the Florida Panthers. Uh, they're playing the Vegas Golden Knights here. So good stuff there on the ice and hardwood that you can look at and uh, put together some nice parlays as well with players and teams. You can expect safe and secure play here with the action on FanDuel. You can get that from their app online, however you put down your action, and you can get paid instantly. So if you're a winner, you're going to see that money deposited right back into your account. There's no better place because of all this to bet on all the playoff action than at FanDuel. That's America's number one sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and get no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA and a proud sponsor here of the Locked On Network. It is time to continue the show here on a Friday, looking at the Washington Commanders' three key fantasy football questions for 2023. Again, we're uh, Locked On Fantasy Football. Subscribe and follow for free wherever you get your podcasts. So my name is Vinny Iyer. I work for Sporting News as well. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, your fantasy football team every day. All right, let's explore our key question at wide receiver. Can Jahan Dotson have a big breakout season? He flashed last year as a rookie with Sam Howell quarterback and potentially even outscore Terry McLaurin. Let's look at this because Terry McLaurin was pretty good last year, we know. He finished overall as wide receiver 14 and half point PPR. In terms of average scoring, he was at wide receiver 22. Jahan Dotson, interesting, was at wide receiver 50 overall. He also missed a lot of time with the different ailments. Wide receiver 38, however, in average scoring. So just outside of wide receiver three status, 
when you look at the average, and Terry McLaurin was almost at the end of the wide receiver twos when you look at game-by-game numbers. Now, very interesting numbers with Terry McLaurin, one of the more consistent players in fantasy football. Look at these numbers from the last two years. In 2021, 77 catches on 130 targets, 1,053 yards, five touchdowns. Last year, 2022, also 77 catches with 10 fewer targets and 120, 1,191 yards and five TDs. So we know what Terry McLaurin is, right? He's not a big touchdown scorer. He's uh, more of a possession receiver. He's not going to be in the big field stretcher, even though he's got good speed here. So that's uh, what we're worried about, right? Uh, Can he up the touchdowns? It's always going to be a bit disappointing. They don't really look to him consistently in the red zone in those scoring opportunities. He's more of a guy that you put all over the field. He's uh, kind of their version of Keenan Allen, where you can put him inside if you want, put him outside. He's just a very reliable receiver all over the field. But I would say he's more of a number two when you look at the profile, the possession skills of his game. I look at Jahan Dotson, 35 catches on 61 targets as a rookie. So pretty healthy number of targets there, even with the missed time. 523 yards, seven TDs. So you already had two more shot touchdowns than McLaurin. You also look at some of their other key vacated targets. It's uh, Cam Sims. Uh, we had uh, J.D. McKissick account for 40 of those 65. Well, Cam Sims uh, was 18 of those. So there are a few more targets to go around. There's not a lot behind these two guys. Curtis Samuel... He's not going to cut in too much to what they do. I, I, again, with uh, Gibson being a big factor in the backfield, I think that's going to hurt Samuel's value. So it's going to be mainly these guys making the plays. And keep in mind, uh, the commanders with this new offense are maybe not going to sustain the same type of offense with three receivers. And we've seen that with the Chiefs, right? They're pretty much uh, streamlined. They have the big play threat there on the outside, and they have the one guy that they can rely upon to run those tight routes. So essentially you have Judy Smith-Schuster and Marcus Valdez-Scandling of what the Chiefs had would be enemy last year under Andy Reid, except these two guys are a lot better than that, right, in those roles. So Dotson definitely has higher upside as a first-round pick. Terry McLaurin is one of the established the highest-paid receivers in the league. So pretty good weapons here for Sam Howell. We'll get into if that's going to help him put up some numbers here, but Again, we mentioned not a lot of tight end help on this team. Logan Thomas is not reliable at this stage of his career, getting older as the injuries. Samuel is a little bit fickle, also can't stay on the field. So McLaurin and Dotson can dominate the targets here on the outside. If they want to slide one to the slot, they can do that at times, but definitely sets up well for their personnel to have McLaurin and Dotson dominate. And if they get equal targets or looks here, and keep in mind, uh, Sam Howell does have a good connection with Dotson because they were fellow rookies last year. I know McLaurin has praised Howell a lot, and uh, McLaurin being the veteran seems to be the guy that you would expect the younger quarterback to lean on, but there's a chemistry there between Howell and Dotson that we have to look at, downfield connection. Howell's going to be more aggressive to throw the ball downfield than we saw Carson Wentz being tentative, Taylor Heineke last year. So it's really good news for Jahan Dotson. I think he is the scorer here. He's more of that guy, let's uh, loosely base it on the other part of the Chargers offense, right? You have Keenan Allen, being in the kind of the McLaurin role as a possession key guy all over the field. But I think Dotson has a little bit of Mike Williams in him and in a durable package, hopefully a little bit more durable. He's got the speed on the outside, but also can uh, finish well in the red zone. So I think he can do more with fewer catches. And if the targets are similar, that's good. And he's a bigger touchdown scorer than Terry McLaurin. So I think I'm going to kind of meet these guys halfway and put them both in that wide receiver two range here. I think that's what, I think is going to happen. They fall into more of that category because the even targets and Dotson's upside. So really like that. So 
Might be a bit surprising, but I think McLaurin fits better as that complimentary receiver. But these are two fine receivers, right? These are two high-level starting caliber receivers. And Sam Howell is going to trust the guys in a smaller circle of trust, right? So you're going to have Gibson, McLaurin, and Dotson. Those are going to be your key targets here all over the field. He has comfort with Dotson as a big play threat, McLaurin as that steady guy all over the field. So if you're looking at volume and you're looking at PPR leagues, you might lean a little bit McLaurin because he's going to have that volume. If you're looking at half-point PPR, I think they become a little bit more even. If you're looking at standard, then you'd feel a little bit better, potentially of Dotson outscoring McLaurin as a wide receiver, too, in 2023. All right, there you have the two key questions for the commanders. We do have to break down what we think of Sam Howell in our final segment of the week and of this team on Locked On Fantasy Football. Again, thanks for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen every day. Every day, we'll turn around uh, – uh, come back and have the Chicago Bears on the radar here as we break down the teams in the NFC North. So an order will go, as you expect, with Chicago, Dr- Detroit, Green Bay, and Minnesota. So we'll get to all those teams next week. If there's breaking news, we'll pop in and give you that analysis as we go forward here in the offseason and uh, break things down for you. So we've got you covered offseason, in season. Every day, as much as we can, we're going to give you the analysis to dominate your fantasy football leagues and your DFS contests as well. All right, let's uh, turn to our final key question with the commanders for fantasy football in 2023. Is Sam Howell a deep sleeper worth targeting in drafts? Now, let's see where Sam Howell was last year. As you can expect, when he wasn't really starting until the last game of the season, he was quarterback 58 on the board. But he had a big final game of the season. That put his average, one game no less, at seventh, at QB7 when you look at the average scoring. And uh, now he's ranked as QB30. Now, interesting to see where Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke were. They were right in that uh, 30 range last year with scoring overall. But Carson Wentz, we know, had some big games. He had uh, the number go up to 23 in terms of average scoring. And for Taylor Heineke, only had really one really notable game. He's uh, on average scoring from last year at 30. Now, we know Wentz and Heineke are long gone, though. So those keys are, these guys are not there. They have six quality starts. What we call quality starts is a viable fantasy football production that would put them in the conversation for a QB1 in terms of the points. So between those two guys, that's not a lot, right? And throwing Howell as well, who had one of those starts. So that's not a lot, but Howell had one of them, which is a little bit promising. He's got a big arm. He's a decent athlete. He's not going to give you those cheat code points there with the running game. So that's something you consider. They also have Jacoby Brissett, who finished as the QB 24. So he was the last QB two on the board last year in a stint with the Browns, where he started 11 games for suspended Deshaun Watson. So Brissett's not a bad option they can lean on if Howell kind of a gets a tank here. And uh, the good news is we talked about McLaurin having those consistent numbers. He's done it with a variety of quarterbacks here. So that's good news for him that the quarterback change is not going to really impact him too much. So interesting combination of things that you're looking at with the commander's quarterback situation. Will they stick with how, how long will they go until they say, Hey, we need to go in on Caleb Williams, the DC native in that next year's draft. And we might just need to, Packing in here, Howell's not the answer at our franchise position and just play Brissett to play out the string as a bridge QB. So that's something you do have to worry about as well with Howell being benched. But as long as he's out there, it's not terrible, right? He's got Gibson, McLaurin, and Dotson. That's not too bad. And again, he did have a game of production. 
So I think he's a volume-based, matchup-based play that you look at. So he's a deep sleeper for sure, and you're going to stash him in leagues because, again, the weapons are good enough. Two very good receivers, so on the outside. There needs to be a path to viable fantasy football production. That's that's what you have to look at as well. Are there players that are going to help him put up the numbers that you're looking for? And definitely with those two receivers, occasionally with Samuel, occasionally with Thomas, some of Gibson. Those are guys that can help Howell put up numbers. So we want to look at the right matchups. We're not going to plug him into tougher defensive games until we see him prove something. And, again, we're not going to be totally locked in. We might actually feel better if Jacoby Brissett is in there early, but I think they're committed to Howell. Let's see what he can do and go from there. Again, I'm not going to bang the table to go after him. I don't think he is going to be reliable QB two that you're going to say, okay, he's my backup. No, you're going to look at him as a guy that if you're playing the streaming game, that he's going to be an option for you there. So I think a little bit higher as a QB three, but I don't want to go nuts until I have a better sample size on what Howell can do. Because again, he's a bit of an unknown quantity. He's not going to give you the running ability. Compare him to say Kenny Pickett, right? Kenny Pickett, you feel a little bit better about because the Steelers seem to have things under control, a better offense. When you start looking at the weapons of Najee Harris and Pat Freermuth and look at George Pickens along with Deontay Johnson. But there are some things that are not complete, right, behind McLaurin, Dotson, and Gibson with Howell. So you're not going to bang the table and say, okay, he's a Kenny Pickett type that I want as a QB2 because of massive upside. He's a guy that want to wait and see. Hopefully he has some viability here. And I think definitely a streaming option for those who play that game. So you can't forget about quarterbacks who start and have volume and can put up numbers against uh, bad defenses. And I think Sam Howell is going to be one of those because we've seen that, right? Carson Wentz did that last year. We think about the Lions game. Taylor Heineke had that potential as well to light up bad defenses. So it's very similar to that. That's how you have to weigh it until you get a few games strung together for Howell. Then, okay, if he puts together three or four good fantasy games, I say, okay, Sam Howell should be rostered in every league and we're going to look at him and a guy that's a viable bi-week replacement or if my guy goes down, we can look at uh, him starting. But Yeah, Sam Howell does have some intrigue because of his skill set and the commitment the commanders have to him right now as a starting quarterback. Again, I don't know if it could go south in a hurry, but at least exploring, thinking about it. If uh, you're looking ahead and want to play the matchups a little bit, Sam Howell can be that guy. Let's just make sure that he locks it up and uh, there's no question that uh, Jacoby Brissett takes the job away from him coming out of camp. So there you have it. There's a breakdown of the Washington Commanders, the three key questions for fantasy football here in 2023. So excited uh, to see that they have more prospects here and uh, could have more fantasy football value than you'd think. Thanks again for making Locked On Fantasy Football your first listen today. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. This has been Vinny Iyer. Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you early next week with a look at the Chicago Bears and their three key questions for fantasy football.